Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Elite Titans podcast. I am your host, Ethan Jordan, and today we are going to talk about how the Tennessee Titans absolutely buttfucked the Seattle Seahawks. But before we get into that, just want to have you know that I am the Canadian Titan. You can follow me on Twitter at Canadian underscore Titan. You can follow the podcast at Elite Titans Pod. And let's just jump right into it and talk about the Seattle Seahawks game on Sunday. I know I'm hype that we won. I had no doubt in my mind that we were going to win, but I know that there were a lot of fans out there when halftime rolled around and they were thinking to themselves, we're fucked. The Titans suck. The defense is trash. Offense can't get going. We're going 0-2. We're going 0-17. Let's... Let's wait until September and draft a... I don't fucking know. I know there were fans like that, but not me. Not me because I am elite. And elite fans like myself keep the same energy from kickoff to the final whistle. And what happened in the second half? Well, the team turned it around. The Tennessee Titans held the Seattle Seahawks to only six points. And came away with the overtime victory, 33-30. to So how did, how did they come to this victory? How did the Tennessee Titans overcome all odds, despite the fact that the refs were really trying to hoe the Titans out of the game? Despite the fact that the refs took away a clear touchdown from Julio Jones? Despite the fact that the refs took away a safety from Ola Adani? How did the Titans come back and win? Well, it all went on the back of King Henry. Derrick Henry is that man. Titans fans have known it for a very long time. The National Football League has known it for at least a year now. And I kind of have to believe everybody knows it now. The 12s definitely know it now. Before that game, heading into the home openers, the Seattle Seahawks were 11-0. and in the Pete Carroll era, in home openers. Now they're 11-1. and one. Boy, does that feel good. But let's, let's take a second and, and look at some of the players who really stood out in this game, for better or for worse. First off, the obvious choice, Julio Jones. Six receptions, 128 yards. He really showed out after his terrible, terrible debut against the Arizona Cardinals. And there's that aforementioned stolen touchdown. He should have had more yards. Julio Jones showed out and he proved that he's the kind of guy we expected when we traded for him from the Atlanta Falcons. He is the one weapon that we really need to push our offense over the top. Another fantastic Tennessee Titan was second-year player Christian Fulton. CB1, the absolute lockdown of DK Metcalf that Christian Fulton put on display is the kind of shit that we we really needed last year, and he is the one consistent bright spot uh, week in and week out for the Tennessee Titans. There are definitely some good players on our defense who keep showing up. Harold Landry comes to mind, but Christian Fulton has been exactly what we wanted, exactly what we needed, and I'm just so happy that despite drafting 
Isaiah Wilson last year in the first round, we were able to get Christian Fulton in the second. That just kind of goes to show John Robinson really is that man. The third player I want to highlight is somebody who received a lot of flack over the offseason and in preseason, and rightfully so, to be honest. Dane Cruikshank. Dane Cruikshank, low-key, was probably the second or third most important player on the Tennessee Titans. Dane Cruikshank and Chris Jackson, to a somewhat lesser extent, saved the Titans' defense. In the first half, the Seattle Seahawks put up 24 points in large part due to a bunch of deep plays, big plays by Tyler Lockett and Russell Wilson. And those plays were deep passes behind Elijah Molden and Bradley McDougald. Coach Rabel at halftime decided, you know what, I'm going to take them out. And that's not necessarily Elijah Molden's fault, but we can get into that a little later. Coach Rabel took him out, put in Chris Jackson and Dane Cruikshank, and eliminated the deep threat and essentially shut down the Seattle Seahawks defense. Dane Cruikshank, despite being injured the entire preseason, despite a lot of people saying he should be cut and he was a wasted draft pick and so on and so forth, he was a crucial piece in the victory for the Tennessee Titans. So those are three players who I think, who I know were vital to the success of the Tennessee Titans. Now, I want to look at three players who who kind of sucked, if we're not going to mince words. The most obvious player, in my mind, is Jeff Swaim, tight end Jeff Swaim. Time to play the Swaim and... I think it's time to let him go. Jeff Swain was supposed to be the sure thing blocking tight end for the Tennessee Titans this year. A lot of hubbub was brought up that we had let Johnny Smith go and Anthony Ferkser was going to be the passing guy. Jeff Swain's going to be the blocking guy. Well, Anthony Ferkser isn't really holding up his end of the bargain being on IR right now. And or is he on IR or is he just out? I don't recall, but he's not holding up his end of the bargain uh, through the first two weeks. And Jeff Swaim has been absolutely abysmal through the first two weeks. Abysmal is in the worst player on the field, and that includes Taylor Lewan, who was atrocious in week one. But Jeff Swaim, his inept blocking led to the only turnover of the entire game, and pretty much gave the Seattle Seahawks seven points. Jeff Swain was brought on this team to block, and he's not doing it. And what's frustrating is Michael Pruitt, the tight end who we let test free agency, who we brought back, put him on the practice squad or whatever, he was he was sensational. He was fantastic in this game against the Seattle Seahawks. And it really makes you wonder, why didn't we just keep him this whole time? Why did we let him test free agency? As it stands right now, I'm much happier having Tommy Hudson, Michael Pruitt, and Anthony Ferkser over Jeff Swain. Let him go. 
it's a what have you done for me lately league, and lately he has been absolutely terrible. Another player who was quite shitty on Sunday is Bradley McDougal. Now, he was brought on uh, from the practice squad and elevated to the starting roster thanks to the injury to Imani Hooker. And we had hoped, given his previous tenure with the Seattle Seahawks, that he would have some sort of, I don't know, inside knowledge or he would be effective. And he was anything but. The first 51-yard pass to Tyler Lockett was because Bradley McDougal was out of position. And you can't be out of position against Tyler Lockett, who is one of, if not the best, deep ball receiver in the league. The Tennessee Titans really only had one job on defense, and that was to not give up the big play. Bradley McDougal is responsible for at least two of those big plays, one of them resulting in a touchdown. Now, If you had watched the game, and if you're listening to this as an elite Titans fan, I know you did watch the game. You'll remember Tyler Lockett dusting Elijah Molden and shaking Bradley McDougald on his way to the end zone. That sucked. That sucked hard. And I want to talk just a quick, quick little blurb before I go on to my third player who really underwhelmed. I just want to talk about Elijah Molden. I've seen a lot of people on Titans Twitter, which is obviously the most sane and rational place on planet Earth, I've seen a lot of people say Elijah Molden isn't living up to the hype. He's not the guy that we had saw in the preseason. He's he's bleh. And honestly, it couldn't be further from the truth. Now, his athleticism was part of the reason why he fell all the way to pick 100. But his football IQ is what makes him such an asset. And I think that the Titans, Shane Bowen, whether or not it was due to necessity, thanks to the injury to Amani Hooker, or whether or not it was bad luck or what, uh, Elijah Molden was just in the wrong place. He shouldn't be lined up against Tyler Lockett in press coverage. He shouldn't be lined up against Christian Kirk in press coverage. That's not his wheelhouse. That's not his strong point. And the Titans are really doing a disservice to him and his skill set by making him play press coverage against burners. That's not an indictment against Elijah Molden. It's more statement on the Titans' defense. Now, let's move on to the third player who really underwhelmed, and that's A.J. Brown. I love A.J. Brown. We all love A.J. Brown. He is probably the fourth most important player on the offense, but that doesn't, that, that wildly understates exactly how vital he is to this team. He is the young life force in the wide receiver room. But he had... He had the dropsies. He had the yips. And this is the second or third time in his tenure here where he's had those issues. Now, I have no doubt in my mind he's going to fix it. He's probably going to ball out against the Colts uh, this coming Sunday. But a lot of his drops happened at crucial moments. 
probably could have had two 100-yard receivers had he caught maybe half of the balls thrown his way. Nine targets, I believe, and only three receptions. A.J. Brown's better than that. I know it. You know it. He definitely knows it. So that's that's my third player who who underwhelmed. So let's let's just take one quick one quick observation about the Seattle Seahawks game, and then I'm gonna move on because you've probably heard multiple other recaps and multiple other podcasts that have talked about how great the offense is and King Henry is that fucking man. I get it. But I want to talk about the defense. People were panicking about the defense. Oh my God, they're terrible. They're still giving up the big plays. Honestly, I'm not worried about the defense. I'm not worried about the defense at all. Now, I know in most cases, if you take away the best plays of the other team, a defense will look pretty good. But the thing that encourages me about the defense is that all of the big plays that were given up seem to be either mismatches in terms of personnel, like Elijah Molden and Bradley McDougal, or complete coverage fuck-ups, like Freddie Swain's 60-something yard touchdown in the third quarter or the fourth quarter. Those miscues are not a week-to-week thing. Time and better communication and more reps together are going to shore those things up. It's going to eliminate those or at least severely lessen them. And and that's fantastic because beyond that, Christian Fulton locked down DK Metcalf. Jack Rabbit Jenkins, despite some people bitching because he slipped again, Jack Rabbit Jenkins played amazing defense. Chris Jackson shut down a few wide receiver screens. There's a lot to be happy about in the secondary. There's a lot to be happy about with the pass rush. Bud Dupree, despite PFF's dumbass saying, oh, he only has three pressures, Bud Dupree is balling out for the Tennessee Titans. Now, of course, would we like him to get some more sacks? Absolutely. But that wasn't his role here in weeks one and two, protecting against Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson. It was more to contain him, to flush them out of the pocket, to to make them uncomfortable, and that's what he did both weeks. So I can't at all be upset about what he's done on this team. Harold Landry is all over the field. Almost every play, every run stuff, every pressure, Harold Landry's right there. And Danico Autry and Jeffrey Simmons, our pass rush is fantastic right now. Like, not fantastic best in the league, but it is a remarkable improvement over last year. This defense is a lot better than their current rankings, and I think it's time we we give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. They held this Seahawks offense, an offense that people are expecting to be top 10, to, what, 4 of 12 on third down? They completely shut the offense down aside from one broken play in the second half. 
as, as great as Derrick Henry was, the Tennessee Titans don't win this game without that second-half defense. So let's give Shane Bowen and the Tennessee Titans defense a little bit more fucking respect. That's going to bring me to my last segment today, and that's fuck the Colts week. Fuck them until they die, right? Isn't that what South Park said? Anyway, the Indianapolis Colts lost to the Los Angeles Rams this past Sunday, and they lost, I think the score was 27 to 24. And a lot of people online are celebrating that like it means, oh, look how good they were against the potential Super Bowl team, the Rams. They only lost by three points. Stop. This is why I hate fans. This is why I hate people who don't actually watch games and only look at the stats or the score. The Indianapolis Colts were never in that game. If it wasn't for one botched punt that resulted in a touchdown, which sounds really familiar if you paid attention to the Titans-Colts game last year, this game wouldn't have been close. And the Rams pretty much did whatever they wanted. The Colts' defense sucks. The Colts' defense is wildly underwhelming. They have no corners. Their pass rush isn't really there. So this Sunday, the Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts face off in the first of two divisional rounds. And I can't think of, for the life of me, a single reason why the Colts will win this game. This is going to be the easiest game we have on the schedule. Carson Wentz has two bum-ass broken ankles like everyone expected. Jonathan Taylor is wildly underwhelming. The offensive line is battered and bruised and overpaid considering the amount of pressures and hits that Carson Wentz has taken. I believe I saw a stat that said, Something to the effect of Carson Wentz is on pace to be hit 178 times on the season. And Andrew Luck, in his worst season, was only hit 122 times. That's insane. That is... that's Considering how much the Colts are paying Braden Smith, Ryan Kelly, and, and, and how much they're going to be paying Quentin Nelson, that's way too shit. I've been going back and forth with many Colts fans on Twitter because, you know, that's how I do, about just how bad this Colts team is. And I can't think of a single area that the Colts have an advantage over the Titans. They don't have a better GM. Obviously, that has nothing to do with the game, but fuck Chris Ballard. They don't have a better head coach. Frank Reich consistently makes really stupid decisions. Stupid decisions like, getting to first and goal on the one against the Rams on Sunday and running Jonathan Taylor directly into Aaron Donald three times before hurrying up and taking a sack with Carson Wentz. That's terrible. Frank Reich consistently makes boneheaded decisions. And I know Tennessee Titans fans sometimes get on Mike Vrabel for his decisions, But Frank Reich is just infinitely worse. Infinitely worse. He's riding the high of a Super Bowl win in 2017. And 
it's carried him too far. Frank Reich, my opinion, should be on the hot seat. Quarterback position. If Carson Wentz plays, he's playing on two bum ankles. If he doesn't play, Jacob Eason is the quarterback. Ryan Tannehill is better than both of them combined. Ryan Tannehill is better than all three quarterbacks on the roster combined. So Titans win there. Running backs. I've heard a lot about how great Jonathan Taylor is, and I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it through two games. I like Jonathan Taylor. I think he's a talented running back, but behind this offensive line, he can't do much of anything. He's not the sort of guy who's going to have big gains after getting hit in the backfield. He needs those holes. He needs the space. He's just not there yet. Maybe he will be one day. I don't know, but he's not there yet. Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack played his first meaningful snap since tearing his Achilles last year, and I thought he looked good. I thought he looked, still looked explosive. I thought he looked effective. And Naheem Hines, he got paid by the Indianapolis Colts, but they don't use him enough. I think he's the best back in that backfield. I said it before and I'll say it again. They don't use him enough. And he is a Tennessee Titans killer. But we have King Henry. And King Henry is better than all three of them combined. I don't know if you saw, but he absolutely dummied the Seahawks on Sunday. He also caught six passes for 55 yards, so we know he can catch now. He's an every down back. We've been saying it for years, and now the Titans are really trying to prove it. He's an every down back. So, quarterback, we're better. Head coach, we're better. Running back, we're better. Wide receivers, I'm not even going to go through it. Are you kidding me? Fuck it, I'm going to go through it. Zach Pascal is their best wide receiver. Maybe Michael Pittman Jr. He had a good game against the LA Rams, but uh, if those are your top two guys, and our top two guys are future Hall of Famer Julio Jones and A.J. Brown, It's just not fair. Offensive line on paper, I guess the Colts are better, but on practice, the Colts surrendered four or five, three or four sacks against the Seattle Seahawks. And the only sack the Seahawks had, if I recall, came on a blitz. Nope, that's not true. They had a sack fumble. Uh, Jeff Swaim. Terrible, terrible Jeff Swaim. But a lot of their pressures came on sacks. That wasn't the case when the Colts and the Seahawks faced off two Sundays ago. This Colts offensive line is just... I don't know what's wrong with them, but I'm giving the edge to the Titans offensive line. Especially after how they played on Sunday. So offensively, the Titans are better. I guess maybe the Colts have better tight ends right now, but I'm not even sure that's true. Now on defense, the Colts have the Colts have no corners. Xavier Rhodes is hurt. Rocky Seen is a bum. Kenny Moore, who I'm a huge fan of and I think is a great slot receiver, is having a terrible season thus far. Darius Leonard is dealing with some sort of nagging injury, but he's still doing Darius Leonard things. But that's pretty much the only really effective person on their defense right now. Quiddy Pay. Fun fact about Quiddy Pay. First round pick Quiddy Pay has the exact same amount of sacks as fourth round pick Rashad Weaver. 
and Rashad Weaver hasn't played a defensive snap yet. That's insane. You want more production from your first round pick in two games. You want him to be more impactful. And he's not. He hasn't been thus far. Maybe he'll figure it out. He probably will. He's young and talented. But he hasn't figured it out yet. And because he hasn't figured it out yet, I'm giving the edge to the Titans pass rush. DeForest Buckner is a threat. But so is Jeffrey Simmons. So is Tier Tart. So is Denico Autry. The Titans have more. I really think this game's going to be a blowout. And that's not my elite fandom talking. That's just that's just facts, especially if Carson Wentz doesn't play. Now, before I wrap this up, I'm going to drop a hot take. A hot take that I'm that I'm actually pretty confident in. If Now, let me let me before I get to that, Over the last two or three years, the Indianapolis Colts have allowed three 100-yard rushers, I believe. Maybe four, but I think it's three. And they're all named Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry owns the Colts. And I think, hot take alert, elite hot take alert, that if Mike Rabel and Todd Downing don't pull Derrick Henry from this game that Derrick Henry is going to break the single-game rushing record on Sunday against the Colts. That's 296 yards, at least, for Derrick Henry. Now, that's a lofty goal. Super lofty. But it wouldn't be an elite hot take if it was safe. So that's going to do it for the Canadian Titan today. I've had a fucking blast, and I'm still high off of the Titans whooping up on the Seahawks. My dad's favorite team is the Seahawks, and just, I love talking shit to my family. And I know a lot of you love talking shit online as well. If you want to talk shit to me, you can follow me at Canadian underscore Titan. You can follow the podcast at Elite Titans Pod, where I tweet out random elite facts of the day, like... Ryan Tannehill has never lost to the Seattle Seahawks while quarterbacking for the Tennessee Titans. This has been the Elite Titans podcast. I was your host, Ethan Jordan. And remember, I'm not a homer. I'm just an Elite Titans fan. Tighten up.